just wanted to mention one other thing before I share in the scripture together. Uh, I failed to mention, but if you would like to, uh, for the No Regrets Conference, if you'd like to help promote that in this church, I'd invite you to talk to Maverick Martin after the service and uh, let him know that you're interested in that. This morning I'd invite you to turn to the book of Matthew. Next Sunday we are going to jump back into our series from the book of Acts. But this morning we are going to focus in on a specific topic as we begin the new year. Matthew chapter 11, I'd like to read an invitation that is given to all of us as we look to the new year. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Well, it's been the holiday season, and uh, it's a time when you get a break from some of, get a little time off from work for the holiday and so forth. How many of you feel really rested? Okay, about six people. <laughs> That's why I picked the topic this morning. Not only are a lot of us not rested this morning, but a lot of us do not feel very rested on an ongoing basis during the year. We live in a very difficult culture to find rest. There's too much input, too much stimuli, too much noise, too many bills, too much hurrying, too much deadlines, too much pressure, too much multitasking, too many unknowns. I think David said it well in Psalm 55. And you can probably relate to these words. David writes, My thoughts trouble me and I am distraught. I'm at a place he describes here of unrest. Oh, that I had wings of a dove and I could fly away and be at rest. I would flee far away and stay in the desert. I would hurry to my place of shelter far from the tempest and the storm. Well, those are David's words. The only problem is the same problem we have, and that is often it seems like an option that we don't have. I don't know if this is true of ladies, but I know for a lot of men, we don't go to the doctor unless our symptoms get really bad. And Jesus here is talking about a condition of our souls, and I, I think it's even worse when it comes to our souls. I think the symptoms have to get really bad before we really sit down and take a serious look. And uh, here's just a few symptoms of this unrest of the soul. Just a few symptoms that are characteristic. Uh, being busy but being bored. You can just kind of make a mental checklist to this. Being busy but being bored. Uh, having no routine. Just an out of, kind of an out-of-control schedule. There's no rhythm. There's no rhythm in, in one's life but just kind of an out-of-control schedule. Uh, feeling non-responsive to others. You just feel like you don't maybe even want to really see people. Uh, pulling back from leadership possibilities or responsibilities. 
occupied with the mundane, occupied with just little things. The other day, we, I, uh, <clears throat> just as an aside here, I had a, in, uh, on, on my roof, there's one of my roofs that I'm supposed to shovel, and I didn't shovel it, and so it built up ice, and the ice came down and brought down this canopy that's over my front door. When the canopy came down, a great big nail made a scratch in my new door, my new screen door. I can't tell you how many times I've thought about that scratch in my door. And it just really bothers me that now I have a scratch in my door. It's called preoccupied with the mundane. Just, you ever like that? Just little things just can destroy your whole day? Restlessness. Don't know what to do with yourself. Uh, Unhealthy habits that seem to come back. Uh, Feeling much more impulsive. Guilt, shame, and probably the most serious. You begin to find your heart kind of hardening towards God. Those are all symptoms of this unhealthy, unrestful soul. And so, the invitation this morning that's coming, it doesn't come from me. I'm not giving you this invitation. This is an invitation from Christ to you. And I think it's well worth pondering as you and I begin this new year together. Let me read it once more. It says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So would you like to experience greater rest in your soul in 2011? I think probably most of us would. And if we're going to do that, if we're going to keep this, you know, what is going to keep this from becoming just simply another resolution that many of us gave up doing a long time ago? What's going to keep it from just being something, one other thing that doesn't change? Well, life change occurs when things change at a soul level. That's a very important principle. Life change occurs when there are changes at a soul level within us. True change comes when we encounter a new truth on a soul level within our being. I shared last Sunday an example of that. And I'll just reiterate it because I think it's worth repeating. I shared the story of Mike Bickle, who was a man who started the 24-7 House of Prayer in Kansas City, who had no interest in prayer, and for many years had made resolutions, this year I'm going to pray, this year I'm going to spend an hour in prayer, to no avail. And it didn't seem how much resolution or how much effort he put forth, nothing changed. And then his life was dramatically changed, because something changed at a soul level. And he describes the change in this way. He says, I felt most of the time that God was either mad or sad in in regards to me. Or at best, distant and unconcerned. And so when he came to a point in his life where he encountered a new truth in his soul, and that was that God delighted in him, that God enjoyed him, that God looked forward to meeting with him, 
that God liked him most of the time. It transformed his life. A change at the soul level. And so, as we look at this whole area of rest, we will not experience more rest in our soul in 2010 than we did in 2011. Simply by desiring it or putting it on a list or saying, I would like to have more of this in the coming year. We need to see the deeper truths here of this invitation. I want you to listen to this one more time. And I want you to hear the warmth in this invitation. Because Christ is saying to you, He's saying, come, come to Me. Are you weary and burdened? I'll just put it in first person. Are you wearied and burdened? Come to Me and I will give you rest. He says, take My yoke upon you and learn from Me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So the first thing you need to see here is that God has a deep desire for you to experience rest on, on a much deeper level. And He wants, the picture here is that He wants you to move in alongside Him and walk with Him. God wants you to journey through 2011 side by side. He, he uses a term here, sharing the same yoke. And so God here is expressing His heart to you that He wants to walk with you in this coming year. That He wants you to experience a deep inner contentment as you face this coming year. So, let me share this morning with you four, just four points to ponder from this text. And, and here's the first one. The first point to ponder is this. This invitation is to people who are burdened and weary. And the first point is this. Burdens and weariness are inevitable. You will find yourself becoming burdened and you will find yourself weary in 2011. The invitation here is not to a life without burden and not to a life without growing weary. The invitation is to come when you find yourself there. And all of us will find ourselves there. We are human beings. We live in a body of flesh that we will not be able to put off until we die. We live in a fallen world with all kinds of negative consequences as a result of sin all around us. We live in a world that is full of cruelty and immorality and perversion of every sort. It's still winter in Narnia. And that is the world that we live in. And it's difficult and it's burdensome and we find ourselves often growing weary. One of the most powerful messages for me of, of the last of 2010 was, and it's just stuck with me, but it was from Romans 8 and the fact that we all live under the groan. We all live under the groan. Let me just read those words that remind us of the nature of the lives that we live. Now we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruit of the Spirit, we groan 
inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. The burdens are going to come. You're not going to get rid of the groan in 2011. And if, if you think you are, you will be in for a letdown. Because that is not the nature of life as we live it. And that's not the nature of the Christian life as we live it. There's nothing wrong, there's nothing unusual, the fact that you experience this weakness in your flesh. People who don't want to accept this reality spend their lives trying to fix something that can't be fixed. Trying to make something go away that's not going to go away. And so as the text says here, it tells us how to deal with the groan. Verse, you look at verse um, <clears throat> 24, it says, For in this hope we were saved. But we, for the hope that is seen is not hope at all, but who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. How do you deal with the groan? You live in hope. You live in hope. The point is this. You won't find rest in 2011 by trying to find a way to eliminate the difficult things that may come. If you're going to live at rest, you're going to have to learn how to experience rest in the midst. In the midst of the difficulties because that's where the power of God is manifested in the life of His people. Come to me, all you who are burdened and weary. So, Expect burdens and expect weariness in the coming year. It's just part of our lives. Here's the second thing Jesus says here. And Jesus here talks about, he says, this is, it's a rest for your soul. He says, come and you'll find rest for your soul. So it's a, it's a specific kind of rest. Now, <clears throat> Scripture talks about, as I was studying it this week, I came across really three kinds of rest that the Scripture talks about. The first one is a physical rest. And this is important. Some of you this morning are simply tired because you've just been up too late. Right? Our bodies need rest. When we don't get rest, we don't function as well. And we see from the very beginning, this is what I would call a physical rest from creation. You know, God worked for six days and then He rested. And he set aside the Sabbath rest for his people. And he said, it's okay. It's good. In fact, it's part of the rhythm of life to rest. And so when you rest, you are being godly. And we need to look at rest you know, as just as important as work. And it's important that we rest. It's a gift that God offers to us. But there's a second kind of rest, and that's what we would call redemptive rest. And this is an invitation to cease from working to try and, to try and make things right with God in terms of your redemption, in terms of your salvation. Uh, I was reading of a pastor this week who was visiting with a Hindu and a couple of, of Eastern... Uh, <coughs> people from Eastern religions of various sorts, and they were all talking about the fact that there's really not a lot of difference between 
the religions and they were talking about it. And so this pastor said, so he says, what you're saying, it's kind of like there's a mountain and God's at the top of the mountain and everybody's really trying to find their way to God. And there's just different ways that people are finding their way up the mountain. And they said, yeah, yeah, that's, that's exactly what we're saying. So let me give you a little bit, bit of a different picture. What if, what if God was up at the top of the mountain and the people were here and God decided to come down from the top of the mountain to the people instead of the people coming up to Him? He said, wow, that would be really different. And they said, well, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about what Christianity is all about. And so we see here that you know, part of this rest was is that man was attempting to, to reach up to God and God came down to man and did the work that man could not do. So there's a ceasing from that striving to reach God. God has already come and reached out to you. And He's reached out to me. And so there's that redemptive rest. When we experience that, we experience grace and faith and hope and love and this compassion and zeal and, and a spirit of thankfulness, all these things began to fill our soul. And then the third one is what I would call work rest. And that leads us into the third point here. And that is we are invited to rest in our work. It's interesting if you look at the text in Matthew 11, it's interesting what Jesus is inviting us to. He's inviting us to take up a yoke. He's not inviting you to take up his pillow. He's inviting us to take up a yoke. And a yoke is a symbol. Everybody in that day knew what you did when you put a yoke on. You went to work. And so it's kind of an interesting analogy here. Jesus is inviting us to rest. And he's inviting us to rest by taking on a yoke. And so we see the combination here of both work and rest. And there's a very important principle here that comes out of this. What Jesus is saying here is to come and hook up next to me under my yoke. It's a form of work, but it will not be burdensome. It will, it will be an easy load. There's a freedom here in doing this. Not because the challenges aren't great, but because I am shouldering them with you. I am right by your side. I am there to empower you and I am there to encourage you. Resting while working. I learned this principle many years ago. And uh, I grew up... When I hit about sixth grade, I started, I got into the whole athletic world and I started to run. I, I ran seven days a week. And I, I was kind of a short distance runner. I was in track. The longest thing I ever did was a quarter mile, which is relatively short. When I went to college, I did the indoor uh, short medley realize. I never, never did anything long distance. And then I, I graduated from college. And I discovered that you know, I'd spent all this time running and now they, they didn't have 100-yard dashes 
in the community. They had 10Ks and marathons and these long distance races. So I thought, well, maybe I can learn to run long distance. And so I did. And I learned a lot about running long distance. And over the course of time, I, <clears throat> I began running uh, 10Ks, which is six miles. And I actually, I got pretty good at it. I got down to about five and a half minute miles over a 10K. And I learned a very important principle about running. And one of the keys to running, one of the most important things about running is that you have to rest while you run. When you get up to the starting line, the first thing that goes through your mind, the first thing that I would think about as I was getting up to the starting line and adrenaline is flowing through your body is you need to relax. You need to relax. And I would concentrate through the entire race on relaxing while I would run. If your hands were not loose, if the jowls in your face were not moving up and down, you were too tight. And when you're too tight, the blood cannot flow into your muscles. The more relaxed you are, the easier it is to run. And so I would run. I wouldn't think about my competition. I wouldn't think about anything else. I would think about getting into a rhythm in breathing in and breathing out and just relaxing. It was amazing how well that worked. That's really here what the principle here that we see is that Jesus is inviting us here to rest in our work. He's not talking, when he talks about rest, he's not talking about not doing things. He's talking about learning how to get up in the morning and learning how to go all day with a spirit of, of relaxed, you know, being relaxed in your soul. And that's, that's a principle worth pondering. That's a principle worth learning in your life. How do we do that? Well, I think the verb here is you need to come to me. How do you rest while you work? You come to me. So what does that look like? What does that mean that we, we come to Him? If you have your Bible, turn with me to Hebrew, Hebrews 4. And uh, on this last point, I want us to just kind of in a general way, we could spend a lot of time on Hebrews 3 and 4 this morning. But Hebrews 4 is a warning for the people of God. And the warning is this. He says, be very careful... People, be very careful that you don't fail to enter this rest that God is offering you. Be very careful because it's easy to miss this. And what's interesting is, is that the number one thing, the number th one thing that will cause you not to be able to rest, according to this text, is unbelief is unbelief. It's just not believing what God has said. And the example that's used, if you look in, uh, he, he talks there about in chapter 3, he says, today if you hear His voice, don't harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the desert. So he goes back here to this time when God had said to His people, He said, look, we're going on a journey. 
And think in terms of this coming year. We're entering into 2011. We're going on a journey. And I am making you a promise. Number one, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will give you everything you need in this year. I will be your God. I'm just asking you to trust me and to believe that. And so he tells the people of Israel, we're going to the promised land, we're going through the desert, maybe some difficult things, and as there was, there may be some times of testing, as it's termed here, through that time when the Lord's going to say, will you trust me? And so they head out and Sure enough, they come to a point where their throats are getting dry, there's no water in sight, they got their children with them, they wonder how God is going to provide, and they ask the question, and this was the question they asked, is God really among us? Is God really with us? And the Scripture says, and it warns three times, It says, today if you hear His voice, don't harden your heart. Don't harden your heart in unbelief. And so we see here, we see that there are, in verse 16, chapter 3, He says, who were they who heard and rebelled? So the first thing we do is hear God's word. So God is giving you His Word. He's made lots of promises to you for 2011. First of all, are you aware of them? Do you remember that the Lord says you don't need to be anxious in anything this year. When you get anxious, simply by prayer and thanksgiving, come to Me and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind and you will enter a state of rest in your life. Now that's that's just one of many, many promises God has made. We have to be aware of them. We have to hear them. And so the first thing we do is hear His Word. The second thing we do is we believe it. We believe it. Look at verse 19. So, we see that they were unable to enter. Enter what? This place of rest because of their unbelief. You will not be able to experience this soul rest that, that the Lord is offering without believing what God said to be true. So we see believing His Word, and then, of course, we see verse 18, and to whom did God swear that they would never enter His rest if it was not those who disobeyed? Because unbelief always leads to disobedience. The Lord says, do not complain. Don't complain. In 2011, do not complain. Well, if we don't believe, we're going to complain. And so we see here that, you know, if we don't believe that God's providing, then we're going to complain. If we don't believe God's in control, then we're going to complain. And so unbelief always leads to disobedience. And disobedience always leads to unrest. And so when when the invitation here is to come to me, to enter, to come and, and to this place of rest, What Jesus is saying to us is He's saying, I'm inviting you in this coming year. There's going to be things that come into your life, but I'm going to invite you to come. I'm going to to invite you to yoke up right next to Me. 
I'm going to invite you to learn from me. I'm going to invite you to walk close enough so you can hear the words that I'm speaking to you in, in every situation that you encounter. And if you will come alongside me and, and you will listen to my words and, and you will go with me, you will follow me, you know, I, I'm, I'm going this way. We're not inviting Christ to come with us. We're going and taking upon His yoke and following Him. He says, if you'll do that, you'll find rest for your souls. You know, Israel had a very difficult time entering that place of rest. And there were those times when they were, and I think this is a struggle for many of us, is that there, there are many times when, when we have to walk by faith and not by sight. And so here they are in the desert. You can appreciate the situation. They're thirsty. They've got little kids with them. They're children. Their children are crying because they're thirsty. They're looking around and they're saying, I don't see where this is going to come from. And God is just saying, you know, you need to walk by faith and not by sight. If you walk by sight, you're going to lose your rest. If you walk by faith, you will see that I will be faithful to everything that, that I have said. And so this morning, I'd like you to just, uh, <clears throat> I'd like to show you an example of a, uh, a young girl has a unique experience of walking by faith and not by sight. And uh, I'd like you just to learn a little bit this morning from the heart of Alyssa. Grass is soft, like the angel hair pasta, kind of, grass kind of resembles that, I guess, just I don't know. <laughs> I've been blind since birth. I have a disease called Leber's congenital amaurosis. People often ask me, you know, is it hard being blind? Is it scary? And it's not. It's just a normal way of life for me. when I was angry about being blind. I was very into makeup and trying to look my best. I really wanted to look in the mirror and see what I look like, but I couldn't. The Lord spoke to me and He told me that I am beautiful on the inside and that I don't have to worry about what I look like on the outside and that He is the only one who can tell me what I look like. The mirror can't. Sometimes I feel like I'm a little bit of a burden to people. See you back front of you, girl. Sometimes I wish I didn't really need that much help. I wish that I didn't have to rely on them. Okay, grab me the one. Yep. Alright, we're on the front of the side. I'll break too. <laughs> Thank you. 
If I could see, I don't think my faith would be as strong. Because for a blind person, you have to rely on the Lord. It's like your faith becomes more real because you're used to not seeing things. You're used to believing in someone that you can't see. Like for example, my mom, I can't see her. I may be able to hear her, but even if I couldn't, I can't see her, but I know she's there. So for me, I think it's easier to know and to understand that though I can't see God, He's really there. I think it has a lot to do with walking by faith and not by sight. I have this desire to help people, but I feel like being blind sort of limits me as to what I can do. But the reality is, God has given me a gift of singing for Him and leading worship. And I feel like that's my way of helping people. And I'm grateful for that. Father, we thank you for <clears throat> your invitation to us. Father, as we begin this new year as a church body, as we begin it as individuals here, we, we just pause and thank you for this invitation to walk with you, to experience a rest that you hold out for each one of us, Father, the writer of Hebrews says we, may, we need to make every effort to enter this rest. And Lord, sometimes it's really hard work. It sounds paradoxical, paradoxical but it's, it's hard work to enter that rest. We have to let go of our self-sufficiency and let go of trying to have to understand everything and let go of trying to have to see everything. Father, you invite us to, to walk by faith, to trust your word, to believe it, and to experience the rest that comes in our lives. So Father, might you, by your spirit, remind us of this invitation uh, on a daily basis. When our, when our heads hit the pillow at night, may we, might we be able to 
come to a place where we can look back and, and really sense that we have walked with you through the day, that you've been sufficient for every circumstance, where we've been able to, uh, Lord, walk free of anxious thoughts and, and worry about the unknown. And uh, Lord, this is a powerful, powerful uh, gift that you offer us. May we not just walk by it for another year, but might we live in it uh, through the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.